Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. Wake-up call 059 day by day. That's Wake Up Call 059, day by day. Of course, this is the Faith for My Generation podcast. I'm your host, AJ, and I want to get straight to today's episode. I'm going to Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, and we're going to read this one verse in Exodus chapter 16 that's going to give us the idea for what I want to look at today. And it's very simple. Faith is a daily experience. Faith is a daily action. Faith is for today. I actually wrote this in my notes. Testimonies, we've all heard about testimonies, right? Testimonies is when we give an account of what God has done in our life. You know, many of us have a test, all of us have a testimony of salvation, who we were before we met Jesus. And now we've been made a brand new creation, but the testimony of who we were before Christ is a glorifying account of how God can save wretched sinners and take us from sin into sainthood, into into uh, going from being dead in sin to alive in Christ. And we can have many testimonies, testimonies of answered prayer and such things like that. But testimonies are accounts of the past, of what God has done. Hope is what we have concerning the future, but faith is for today. Faith is for today. And I want that to really sink down into your heart and into your mind. That faith is a daily way of living. Faith in Christ. Faith in the Word of God. Yielding and obeying to the Word of God. Daily seeking God in prayer and through the study of His Word. Yielding yourself to the inward witness and the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's a daily thing. It's a daily practice. Faith is for today. So wake up call 059 day by day. Our main text is Exodus 16, verse 4, just one verse today for our main text. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Literally, that translation, the translation note in the center margin of my Bible, I have a a two-column reference Bible. This one's done by Thomas Nelson. It's two columns of reference with a center column of Scripture in between it. You might be able to see if you're watching on the video there. I've got the Scriptures on each side, and then the center column has the reference notes, cross-references, chain references of other verses that had the same biblical words, Greek or Hebrew words. In this case, it would be Hebrew being Old Testament. And then also also sometimes it has a more literal translation. Now, why is that? Just a little side note. Why are those types of notes there? Simply put, a very easy way to understand it, a layman's definition, which is what I need. (laughs) I'm a very simple Bible student. Uh, But simply put, the English language is not near as expressive or colorful or as rich as many languages, such as the Hebrew language, in the Greek language. For instance, I use this example all the time. In English language, we have some we have a word that may have multiple definitions, multiple meanings. And this is actually a stumbling block um, for people who begin to learn English. I, I remember Senor Beltran was my Spanish teacher in high school. Senor Beltran. 
and he would get so confused over certain words uh, because it's like, wait a minute, you say one word, but it means multiple things? Like, why not just have multiple words? And it makes sense, right? But for instance, Saul, S-A-W, Saul. Well, I could say, I saw my friend at Walmart. Or I could ask, hey, hand me the saw. Same word, two meanings. One is a tool that you use to cut something in half with. And the other is what you do with your eyeballs. And so that's, a, that's a, just a very simple way to understand it. But sometimes in Scripture, our English translations may give us one or two, or there may even be multiple renderings of an expressive term or word or phrase. Now, that doesn't mean that there's multiple takes or translations. It just means that the Hebrew or Greek word, depending whether it's Old New Testament or Aramaic word, is just so expressive that we have to give like a phrase or a definition to give you the same understanding and meaning maybe one word carried, the strength of that word it carried. I say that because in Exodus 16 verse 4, it says this, The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day. Well, in my Bible, there's a number one, which tells me that if I go to the center column, I'll see a corresponding number one, and it will give me a literal translation. And the literal translation of a certain quota every day literally would be the portion of of a day in its day. So let me read it this way. That sentence would read like this. And the people shall go out and gather the portion of a day in its day, that I may test them whether they shall walk in my law or not. I was studying and and just how many of these episodes come about is just in my personal study and I see something that I haven't seen before. Something kind of opens up in my heart, my mind. And, um, I'm like, wow, that's so powerful. That's so good. I need to share that with the, with the faithful, share that on the podcast. And, uh, just as a side tip, you know, we, I know we've got people watching and listening from all nations around the world, from all different walks of life. If you're in ministry, um, whatever that ministry may look like, maybe it's pulpit ministry, pastor, teacher, evangelist, but if you're you know, a youth pastor, children's pastor, maybe you just lead a Bible study. Uh, maybe you, you lead a FCA group at your high school. Uh, whatever you may do, and, and you feel a call to minister or share the Word of God with people in different ways, or, or, or even if it's just conversationally with someone at work, you want to be able to sow seeds of God's Word and encouragement to, to a, a someone at work you work with as a fellow Christian, or, or sow the seeds of the Word of God concerning salvation. Let me just give you a pro tip. Don't study the Bible so that you can teach. Now, that may sound strange the first time you hear me saying that. Like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, you're a pastor, so you obviously study so that you can teach. And you do the podcast and all that. And I do, I do. But a long time ago, I learned I don't need to study my Bible. I don't need to open up my Bible to find something to teach to people. The most powerful way I can minister God's Word is to study it for myself, get God's Word in my heart, let it renew my mind, let it order the conduct of my life, and then from an overflow of devotional study for myself, 
the Word of God then will be in a place where it's bubbling up out of me and that overflow is what I share to people. So study the Word of God for yourself and then you'll be able to share it with other people because what you believe and what you live and what you truly put into practice and into play in your life, that's what's going to carry the power of God anyway. You know you know when people are real and when people are genuine or if people are just rehearsing something like a skit out of a play. We don't want to do that. So I, I was just studying and I, and I saw this powerful passage here because really this reflects how we are to live life as a Christian. Because again, in first glance, if you're just reading through your Bible this year, and you should be, you know, three chapters a day you'll get through the Bible. Well, I haven't started yet and it's already February. No worries. Go ahead and start, and you'll be finished by next February. But every every day you need to read a little bit of God's Word because you'll discover things and uncover the truth of God's Word. As you give yourself time in the Word of God, you're also giving God an opportunity to teach you through His Word. But you need to open up your Bible so He can have the opportunity and have the grounds to teach you through His Word. And so here I am. I'm just studying. I'm reading. And when I read verse 4, I see that phrase, okay, the portion of a day in its day, day by day, day by day. And I, was, and I was thinking about the relationship of our faith and how it corresponds with the day that we're living right now. I'm, I'm going to do my best to, to explain that even better. But simply put, faith is a day-by-day lifestyle. Your faith in Christ is something that should affect Today, right now, you believing in Jesus should affect how you live right now. Okay, great, wonderful. It, it changed your yesterday and your last month and your last year. Praise God. That's a testimony. Oh, your faith in Christ is going to change tomorrow and give you a good future and give you a productive future like we see in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Praise God. Wonderful. That's a hope that we have for tomorrow. But faith is right now. Faith's right now. Hebrews chapter 11, I've heard this preached concerning this many times. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 11, of course, is, well, I guess you might say the faith chapter in the book of the Bible, uh, in the book of Hebrews, but certainly the whole Bible. The entire chapter of Hebrews 11, I love it because it shows the practical working out of what faith looks like. I mentioned this on a, a few episodes ago, but you see over and over and over again in Hebrews chapter 11 that uh, this is what faith looks like. With Sarah, it looked like her believing for a child. Uh, with Noah, he was building an ark. Abraham, he followed the word of God. <laughs> you know, with Gideon, uh, Barak, Samson, these different men and women of God, uh, Rahab, this is what faith looked like in their life. And then it gives you the practical way they revealed that faith in God. Now, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is, Hebrews 11 1, faith is. There it is. Faith is an experience that lives right now, today. It's not faith was yesterday, and it's not faith will be tomorrow. Hebrews 11.1, faith 
is. Very simple. Faith is. Faith is not was. It's not faith will be. It's faith is. And your faith is only alive if it's living, flowing, changing, motivating, leading, guiding your thoughts, your heart, your mind, your actions, your hands, your feet, your conversation right now. It's only alive if it's taking place right now. And I will dare say this, it's only faith if it's changing the right now. Faith, if your faith grows dormant and it kind of gets a little sleepy there and you start relying on natural wisdom and tendencies and kind of getting cold as that lukewarm church in Revelation 3, as Jesus is speaking to the lukewarm church, he's saying, hey, don't stay lukewarm. I'd rather you be hot or cold, but in the middle, I can't stand it. I'll spew you out. Faith has to be fiery and alive and moving and active and doing and creating right now in the moment, right now in this moment. Now notice this, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. To, to further cement this idea, faith is. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2 says this, For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, in the day of salvation I have helped you. Now, the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, he's quoting Isaiah 49, verse 8. What we just read is Isaiah 49, verse 8. Now, I, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, this is the entire verse. For he says, and then he quotes Isaiah 49, 8, In an acceptable time I have heard you, in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, I understand as being a student of the Bible, what's literally being meant here is the day of salvation is the time, the age of salvation. Just like when the Bible talks about the day of the Lord, it's referring to the second coming of Christ. The day of the Lord is the second coming of Christ when he will come and he will make all things right. And that we will see wickedness will be crushed and, and you know, uh, the millennial reign of Christ will begin and he'll set up his throne here on the earth. That's the day of the Lord when you see in Scripture. Well, right now we're living in this age, this time, this dispensation of grace, the time where it is to preach the gospel. You know, it won't, there won't be a time to preach the gospel forever. There'll be no need for us to preach the gospel um, in the new heavens and new earth. Th th that time for preaching the gospel will be finished. So there's, there's times and seasons. You know, it's interesting. It's the woman with the alabaster box, right? She comes to Jesus and she breaks open that alabaster box and she anoints the feet of Christ. And she washes his feet with her tears and dries, it, dries his feet with her, air, with her hair. Of course, Judas, being filled with the spirit of greed, says, why didn't she sell this alabaster box, this ointment? It was so expensive, we could have fed a lot of poor people for it. Of course, he didn't want to feed poor people because the Bible tells us he said this because he took care of the money bag. He held the money bag. In other words, the only reason he said this is because he was motivated by greed because he wanted her to give Jesus 
the money so Jesus could give it to him. He could put it in the box and probably skim some off the top. And I'll just say that as a side note. Oftentimes when people tell you what to do with your money, it's not because they're so generous. It's because they have a spirit of greed and they don't have enough money of their own to control. So they're trying to control yours as well. That's just a bonus tip. (laughs) When people want to tell you what to do with your money, they say, hey, if you want to come pay my bills, that's fine. But if it's mine and I earned it, I'm going to do what the Lord commands me to do with it. (laughs) But that woman, she pours out that costly offering on his feet. Jesus then tells his disciples, look, don't you realize that what she's done is a great act of worship? She's anointing my body to be prepared for a sacrifice on the cross. She's actually more spiritually in tune with what Christ will do than his own disciples who's sitting down there eating supper with him. And then he says, and what she has done will be spoken of for all of, you know, all of time. And here we are some 2,000 years later, and we're talking about her. There was a certain time window, a window of time, that she had the opportunity to bless Jesus. If she had waited too long, Jesus would have already died on the cross and walked the earth 40 days after his resurrection and then ascended to heaven. Well, once he's in heaven, she can't anoint his feet. She couldn't anoint his feet before he began his ministry. She didn't know who he was. He had yet been revealed. There was a window of time that precious little lady had to do that sacrificial offering of love and bless Jesus, that sacrificial act of worship. There was a certain amount of time she could have done it. And, you know, there are certain times in our life that we have windows of opportunity to act in faith, and go all out for Jesus and do something great for the Lord. Because there are certain times when doors and opportunities are open. I, I remember hearing a testimony of Pastor Gene Lingerfeld out of Arlington, Texas. He was doing some missionary work while pastoring, but doing some missionary work in South America. And I can't remember exactly what nation it was. It could have been Venezuela. I may be incorrect. But it was in a South American nation that which now today is controlled by communism, socialism. And just completely bankrupt and, and you know, extreme poverty. Just like c- communism, socialism is spewed out of the pits of hell. It is based on greed and an antichrist spirit. And the only people that benefit from that type of system are people who are at the top controlling the populace like pawns. And anyway, Pastor Gene made this point. And of course, in any communist or socialist society the first thing they do is they outlaw this book, the Bible. They outlaw the Bible. Because in a truly socialist, communist society, you have to believe that the government is your source. But if you have an alternative, the Bible, which tells you that God is your source, then you won't submit wholeheartedly to every whim and decree of the government. So that's one of the first things. Look in history. That's not my bias or my political persuasion. Look throughout history. Every communist and socialist system always makes a point to create a godless society because godless societies can be controlled. And so Pastor Gene was talking about how there was a certain time, he had a certain window 
that at the time he didn't know it. He was just being led by the Holy Spirit. He felt in his heart to go minister and do some crusades in this nation. And now he looks back on it now and realizes, if I hadn't went then, I couldn't go back today. Because today, they wouldn't let me in. Uh, they would, I would be banned. I would be outlawed. Now, that's not to say that there aren't underground churches, and there certainly are. It's amazing. Whenever the church is persecuted, it grows. It's just a part of that. It's just an attribute of the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime it's persecuted, it just multiplies and grows. It's kind of like the children of Israel in Exodus 1. The more the new Pharaoh after the Pharaoh that knew Joseph, there's a new Pharaoh that rises up. The more he persecutes the Israelites, the more they multiply. But with that being said, there's certain times and opportunities to do things. And I want to encourage you, be led by the Lord. Know the seasons of your life. Uh, yes, God is all-powerful. He can do anything. But, there, that, but with that being said, if He tells you to do something now, don't wait tomorrow to do it. Because tomorrow He may be, nope, yesterday was when it was supposed to happen. Paul says this. We talked about this, oh gosh, two or three months ago. It's one of the episodes. Scroll back and listen to it if you hadn't listened to it. It's called Open Doors. It's a really good one in my opinion. One of the best ones I've done, I think. But it's this idea of, Opposition is actually a sign that God's opened a door. When you're getting pushback and opposition, it actually proves the fact that God has opened a door for you because that's just Satan trying to do everything he can do to keep you from going through that open door. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, right? He tells them, I'm going to come to you. I want to come to you. But right now I'm ministering in Ephesus because a great and effectual door has been opened. In other words, God's opened a door here in Ephesus. And so I need to do the work that I need that I can possibly do while I can do it. Because the door may be closed later. And we don't know all that God knows, obviously. Sometimes it deals it has to do with the hearts of men and women. It has to do with governments and kings and rulers. It has to do with populaces and populations and things. You know, right now as I'm recording this. There's a, uh, uh, an awakening, a revival, an outpouring of prayer and worship at Asbury College in Kentucky. They've experienced several of those over the past hundred years. You know, there's different times where different groups of people, their hearts are so thirsty and hungry for the things of God that uh, they begin to cry out. And you know what? When that takes place, rather than being critical, foster it. Flan, fan the flames. And, and, and make a most of that opportunity. Make most of the opportunity. Leonard Ravenhill wrote, wrote a book called Wild Revival Terries. And um, in that, one of the things he made the point of is, you know, when you see some sort of awakening taking place in a person's heart or a group of people or a church, don't criticize it. Don't downplay it. Attack and see if you can help multiply it and be a part of it and see it produce and catch on like a wildfire. All right, faith is a daily action. Kind of gone off on a side journey there with opportunities and times and seasons, but I want you to understand this. Faith is a daily action. It's a day-by-day lifestyle. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we see this, the day of salvation. That's where I got off. <laughs> That's where I got off from that 10-minute side journey. The day of salvation is the period in time that we're living in. But also, I want to take it a little bit more plainly, I guess, in phrase. Today, right now, is the day of salvation. Right now, your salvation is a real, genuine 
reality and experience and relationship that you have with God the Father that affects your today. Your salvation is not just something that should live in the past. Well, bless God, I got saved 47 years ago. Okay, wonderful. Is it still changing your life today? Well, I got baptized in water when I was seven years old. Praise the Lord. Are you still on fire for God today? Or, well, you know, once I get things straightened out in my life, I'm going to be at church. I'm going to see you there, Pastor. I've had people tell me that. And I will reply to them, why would you wait till you try to straighten things out just to find out you can't straighten things out? Once you come on a church unstraightened out, and we'll help you get straightened out. <laughs> Did you follow that? I'm, once I get things straightened out, once I, once I get a little bit better, I'm going to get myself right. I'm going to get to church. How about you come to church completely in shambles and unright, and we'll get you hooked up with Jesus, and then you'll be made right right? Some people are putting off their experience with God in the past. Some people are putting their experience with God in the future. But what God desires is right now, the day of salvation. Notice this, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Matthew and Mark, they both quote this of Jesus, but Luke adds to it the word daily. And I'm using it to to press in this idea that faith is a day-by-day lifestyle. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I like that rendering for what we're talking about today, day-by-day. Luke 9, 23, because it tells us to take up our cross daily and follow me. But even if you go to Matthew and Mark, their their accounts don't have the word daily in it. It just says, take up your cross and follow me. But that's okay. No problem. You could use Matthew's account. You could use Mark's account. It's still the same principle because that word follow is an active verb. In other words, follow means Actively following, trailing afterward or after someone. It's like my little daughter, Naomi. She's my little shadow. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I'm home and she knows where I'm at, she's following me. She may not even be doing what I'm doing. Like she just knows I'm in the living room. So she follows me into the living room and does her own thing. And then when I go to the kitchen, she follows me into the kitchen. And then when I go outside, she follows me. And, you know, if she's going, if I'm walking outside to go grab something out of the yard or out of the car, me, daddy, me, me too, me too. You know, yeah, come on, baby, you can walk with me. She just wants to follow me. It's not having followed or, well, one day I will follow. It's an active lifestyle. (laughs) It's an active way of living. Wherever he's going, I'm following him. And that's how our life with Christ is. Every day, every single day, I'm taking up this cross. What does that mean? Well, it has to do with self-denial. It has to do with crucifixion, the crucified life. Uh, Around the late 1800s, there was a prayer revival that took place throughout all the world, and one of the mighty men of God that was part of that and helped foster that and, and was blessed by it, Andrew Murray. I love him so much. Of course, I've never met him, but I've read many of his books, probably a dozen, dozen and a half of his books. It's changed my life concerning prayer. He was, he was one of the teachers in this prayer revival. But many of those men and women in that day and age, they would talk about, and they use this term, the crucified life. 
the crucified life. If you want to have power with God, you've got to live the crucified life. What do they mean by that? It's a life of submission. It's a life of submitting to the things of God, of obedience, of yielding to the Lord. And that takes place daily. That's a daily decision. Each day, I'm going to daily decide to submit myself at the feet of Christ Jesus, to hear His voice, to follow His word, and do what He says. That's what I'm going to do. And that's a daily, that's a daily decision. Day, you know what? You're going to have to wake up each day and say, you know what? I'm going to treat people the way I want to be treated today. No one cares if you did it yesterday. No one cares if you plan on doing it tomorrow. What matters is, are you going to treat people the way you want to be treated? Matthew 7, 12, the golden rule, today. Are you going to pray today? Are you going to read your Bible today? Are you going to seek God today? Are you going to honor the Lord in what you say and think and do today? In fact, with that idea, Psalm 63, look at this as we finish up today. Psalm 63, verses 1 through 5. This is a great one. Man, this is such a good psalm. Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. Well, that implies morning time. And how often do we have a morning time? Every 24 hours. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul will be satisfied with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. This psalm of fellowship with God, it begins with, Lord, I'm going to seek you early in the morning. Not That's not just implying one day. That's, apply, that's applying, or excuse me, implying every day. Because every 24 hours, there's a brand new morning. You know, Jesus said this in, in the model prayer, in the disciples' prayer, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we know it, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Notice verse 11, give us this day our daily bread, our daily bread. Well, that takes us right back to where we began, Exodus 16. I'm going to, as a test of faith, as I'm going to test my people to see if they really trust in me, send them out. Remember, Exodus 16, the Lord is telling Moses to command the people of Israel, I'm going to feed them with manna which literally means, what is it? They didn't know what it was. But it's bread from heaven. One psalm tells us it's bread from heaven. Another psalm tells us it's the food of angels. Maybe that's maybe it was angel food cake. Who knows? <laughs> Even though between the two, angel food cake and devil's food cake, I prefer devil's food cake. But don't let that make you think differently of me. <laughs> One psalm says that uh, manna was angel's food. Nonetheless, God says, you tell the people of Israel, Go out and gather up what they need for today. Don't get, and they tried it. Some people didn't listen. Some people heard the instruction of God and still didn't listen. And they tried to gather up a week's worth of manna in one day. And what happens? Everything remaining the night, the next day, was all molded and eaten up with worms. And so they had to go back out again and get what was for the portion for today, except for the day before the Sabbath. 
Now, there was one day, the day prior to the Sabbath, which would be if they went out in the morning, it'd be Friday morning. They would gather up what they need for Friday and what they would need for Saturday. Sabbath starts at Friday at 6 p.m., ends at 5.59 p.m. on Saturday. So they would have to gather up two days' worth of food. But that was the only day where they gathered up more because they were commanded to rest. But it was a test. It was a test of faith. Do you trust in me enough to live by faith day by day? And that's what I want to get across in your heart and your mind. Day by day. Do you trust the Lord enough to live day by day? Do you trust the Lord enough to live and trust in Him and be obedient and submit yourself to His truth and His Word day by day? It's not enough to do it yesterday. It's not a thing, well, one day I'll get to it right now. Right now, God desires this. Because here's the good news. We live by faith day by day in Lamentations. Verse 23 tells us, they, what? Well, verse 22, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Verse 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. It ties in in what Exodus 16, verse 4. Gather a day's portion in a day. Well, verse 24 of Lamentations 3, the Lord is my portion. And his mercy, it's brand new every day. Every single morning, every time the, every time the earth rotates the sun in a 24-hour period, every time that sun rises, the Lord has brand new mercy stored up for us. And this is why we can live day by day walking with Jesus daily. And I want to encourage you that. Stay on fire for God. Stay in the Word daily. Submit yourself to Him daily. Go to the Lord in prayer daily. Don't do like what I've done. I've done it. I repent of it. I openly admit it. There's been times in my life I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray. And then I'd pray a good chunk of time in one day. And then not the next day, and not the next day. And then like two days later, okay, I got to get back to praying and pray. And pray for three days in a row and then fall off for four days. And Or same way with Bible reading. I'm going to read my Bible. Read like eight chapters in one day, seven the next day, and then forget about it. And not read my Bible for four days in a row and then have to get back. No, 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 no. Look. God doesn't, he's not asking you to read the whole Bible in one day or one month. Just read three or four chapters a day. Just, just, just open up the Bible every day. He's not saying you have to sit down for 42 hours in a week and study the Word. Just sit down with it for 15, 20 minutes a day. I'm guaranteeing you, you will actually get stronger in the Lord if you will be consistent and diligent with the study of the Word, with prayer going to church, serving, witnessing, winning people to Christ, being being part of Bible study uh, groups, being part of ministry and giving yourself to the Lord and His people. I'm telling you, if you'll make a consistent habit of living and displaying and exercising your faith day by day, this time next year, you'll feel like you've become a superhero (laughs) because your life will... 
it, it, it will just, it's just how the kingdom of God works. Mark chapter 4 tells us that, that the kingdom of God is like a seed that is planted, and then first the blade, you see a little bit of green sprout pops up, then comes out the, the ear, or what that which holds the produce, leaves, and then it says the full ear of corn, or that which it produces. So, you know, like an apple tree, first the apple tree is going to grow up as a tree, then eventually the leaves are going to come out, and then behind those leaves eventually you'll have apples, right? That's how, the, that's how faith in Christ works. That's how a strong believer is made. You know, whoever it is, just think of someone in your, in your mind right now. Think of like the strongest Christian you know. I guarantee you the strongest Christian that you know, that you love, that you're so thankful for, they didn't become a strong Christian overnight. There's no such thing as microwave Christians. It, they're not even oven-baked. They're put in uh, crockpots. <laughs> they're put on a smoker, a, a 48-hour smoker, not a 30-second microwave. <laughs> they're in a crockpot for two days, right? You know, you get the idea. There's no overnight Christians. The, the strongest Christians you know are Christians who day by day made a choice this day is the Lord's day. There's another one, right? Today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today, was, was that Psalms 118? This is the day that the Lord has made. And I'm going to give it to Him and I'm going to live by faith. And I know you will. I know that you will. Because we are the faithful. Hey, I'm so thankful that you listened today. I appreciate you. Make sure if you've not subscribed to the YouTube, to the podcast channel, please subscribe so you can stay up to date with everything that we're doing. If you haven't shared in a while or you want to share this episode, hey, simply text a link of the podcast episode to somebody that you think would bless you would, uh, that would be blessed by it. And I'm really, really thankful for you that you take time out of your day to join me. I, I don't take it for granted. Uh, whenever I look at all the analytics and see people jumping on and listening with me, I'm just surprised, honestly. Like, wow, Lord, I, I was just doing this because you told me to do it. And I've talked about it before. Like, I knew I should have done it and kind of like I made all these excuses as why I shouldn't do it. And they sounded good in my head. But the reality is they were an excuse. And I finally just obeyed. And at the end of a year of doing the, this podcast episode, I was surprised at how many people actually listened. And it was, uh, it was really neat because <laughs> I thought, you know, maybe it was just me and my mom listening. <laughs> so I don't take it for granted that you listen. I really am thankful because I realize you're a real person and you have a real relationship with Jesus. And that's what this purpose of Faith for My Generation podcast and ministries is, is to build a strong, powerful generation of believers that are sold out for God. And I know that you're one of them. I'm thankful for you, and I'll see you next time. God bless. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.